Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. everybody back to the millennial nutritionist podcast i'm really excited to talk about a topic that i get asked about all the time and i'm honestly too scared to um, broach even though we get tons and tons of clients with this condition and we're going to talk all about hypothyroidism and i'm actually having my intern help me uh, really research um what hypothyroidism is and like how we can help people who have it so many of my clients have hypothyroidism because it really causes a lot of weight gain or the kind of the symptoms associated with it cause a lot of um, just like problems with decreasing metabolism that eventually leads to weight gain. And they, these clients do need to be treated a little bit differently. They still kind of follow our basic recommendations, but there are a little bit of nuances with trying to decrease inflammation, what the expectations of weight loss looks like for them compared to other people and understanding like medically what's going on and when to voice extra concern to a doctor because this disease really needs to be medically managed before we can see many results from nutrition. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce Katie, our intern, um, to um, help me talk about this topic and talk about what she has researched. So welcome, Katie. Yeah, thank you, Isla. Um, I'm really excited to be here. So I'm a dietetic intern right now um, through Meredith College. I actually got my undergrad and graduate degree in nutrition as well. And so right now I'm in my internship, which means that I am getting experience in all the different areas of nutrition. So many people don't realize what we actually do, but we definitely do a lot. We learn a lot. All dietitians have to go through this path. So um, it's something I'm really passionate about sharing. Yeah. Awesome. Why? Let's take a little bit of time just to kind of talk about, because I get a lot of questions from people who want to become dietitians. I don't really answer these questions a whole lot just because I want to spend a lot of my energy on helping people with weight loss, but just to kind of appease some of those questions, um, why did you want to become a dietitian in the first place? I've always been super passionate about health, which of course all dietitians are. And then I also saw my mother, she struggled a lot with um, different chronic diseases and different conditions throughout her, honestly, throughout her entire life. Um, and one of those is hypothyroidism. So I'm really excited I got to research that. But with her, I really saw how she saw so many different health professionals. But really, when she saw a dietitian, like the dietitian got to know her and got to know her background and like really helped her every step of the way in her health journey. And so I think seeing that as a child um, or as a teenager really kind of sparked my passion. And I also am pretty nerdy. So I love like anatomy and science. And so that's another reason why I love nutrition. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, like, I don't know a dietitian that would get into nutrition that doesn't really love health. um, Because yeah, that's like where it all really stems from. And I feel like 
all of us seem to have some personal connection. I feel like because we all eat, right? So like there are like some, like there has to be like something that kind of sparks that. And it's so interesting how like, because we do eat three times a day and everybody we know, you know, eats, like there's always some sort of personal connection to it. So that's awesome. So what is the internship? Like, why are you even doing that? And um, I guess like, what are like your rotations? Like, what are you learning from it? Yeah, so the internship is this big, um, this big year long, sometimes longer than a year thing that all dietitians have to do in order to be credentialed. So just a reminder, like anyone can call themselves a health coach or a nutritionist, but really dietitians are the ones who have the education to really back it up. So I have done my clinical rotation, which means I was sent to a hospital and I saw patients and really helped figure out dietary interventions um, and giving them the correct diet for their disease states. It also means that I am trained to look for malnutrition and really help people with that. We have experience communicating with doctors, which I think is really important to notice. Um, we're not just like, you know, behind the scenes. We actually are a part of healthcare. And then I also did my food service rotation, which was where you're sent to a hospital, um, but you're a part of the food service management side. So you're making sure everyone is getting food safely and that things like allergies and special diets for medical reasons are being followed appropriately. And then um, now I'm doing my wellness rotation with you. So this is where you're really working on like the health promotion side and doing more like one-on-one care with clients and just promoting wellness in general. And then there's public health rotation that I will have next. Um, And that's more like health education and getting experience in a variety of things. Like dietitians are really trained to teach people how to cook and also about nutrition and about literally like so many things. I feel like we're so well-rounded. That's all about the internship. And then after the internship, we have to pass a RD exam. So we have to really make sure we know what we're talking about before we get credentialed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like so many areas that dietitians really have to get, uh, a, a good education in because there's so many different things that dietitians do since again, like everybody eats. So dietitians really kind of like the expert. So when it comes to eating and health and the overlap there. And so thinking about like any place that a diet, like you need to learn how to eat healthier, even from like a cafeteria management and like picking out menus to keep kids healthy to community programs like WIC and SNAP and stuff like that are all where kind of dietitians exist. So you have to learn all those areas. And I definitely remember going through it, it is not a super fun time, <laughs> but it is necessary to get through because you don't get paid. I don't think a lot of people know that um, when you do it, uh, it's essentially like another year of school, but I think it really helps us to stay uh, well-educated and definitely that clinical piece. I know I was like kind of frustrated when I went through it because I was like, I don't know why I have to do this. Like what if I never want to do clinical? Because it's really hard and like, especially like seeing people like dying from cancer and stuff like that and having to be there. It's like really emotionally, emotionally taxing. But now and like what I do, I am so glad that you really have to go through that because like understanding medications and yeah, understanding how to talk to doctors, like you were saying, is all very, very important when you're talking about people's eating and how it overlaps with health. Okay. Yeah. So let's start from the top about hypothyroidism, very basic. Like, can you even explain to us what the thyroid is? Cause I feel like 
I feel like a lot of people probably don't know if they don't have some disease that has to do with the thyroid. Cause it's something we don't really hear about a lot, like the liver and the stomach and stuff like that. A lot of people know what those organs are, but what is the thyroid and what does it even do? Through my research, I've really learned that the thyroid is highly underrated. <laughs> it really does so much that we don't recognize, but very basically it's a gland in our neck, which its primary job is to send hormones. That may not sound like a big deal, but hormones are like the messengers. They essentially tell our organs and our organ systems and our cells like what to do. So when our hormones are out of whack, like you can see it really leads to a cascade of of problems down the road. So the thyroid, it releases hormones. Primarily it's T3 and T4. T3 is called triadothyroid. (laughs) Theronin, <laughs> uh, which is a super long word, which is probably why people just say T3. And then T4 is thyroxine. But again, just think of it as T3 and T4. So these are the two hormones that the thyroid produces. It also produces something called calcitonin. That's like a little mini function that it does, which just helps with um, calcium maintenance and like bone health. But primarily T3 and T4 are what help keep our body's metabolism in check. And so our metabolism, that really means that the whole body is involved. So the thyroid is kind of like, it's what tells our heart, like the correct heart rate that we should have. Um, It helps our body control our body temperature. It helps our muscle and our digestive function. So it's in charge of a lot because metabolism really does cover like pretty much most every area of your body. Yeah. Yeah. So much stuff that it does. Yeah. And I agree that I feel like it's really underrated. And so that's when we are saying, well, the um, hypothyroidism is like a metabolism related disease. This is why, because it's kind of attacking that, that organ or that part of the body that controls that. Right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you feel like you're tired of trying every new diet out there whenever you're ready to lose weight, but you never really find long-term success because it's either too restrictive or just not conducive to your lifestyle? Well, then let me tell you about our three-month lifestyle reset program. This is an individualized weight loss approach where you'll be going through our proven six-step method and you'll be led by a registered dietitian. By becoming a client of the program, you'll be able to learn how to control your weight, increase your energy and confidence, and also improve your overall well-being. Not to be dramatic, but a lot of clients tell us that they actually change their lives by going through the program and finally find a sustainable weight loss solution when they actually haven't found that with any other program. If you are interested in becoming a client, sign up for a discovery call on our website, themillennialnutritionist.com with me, Isla Garcia, and I'll help match you with one of our registered dietitian coaches based off of your challenges and their nutrition expertise. If you're ready to find a sustainable weight loss solution in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment, I hope you'll connect with us soon. So now that we kind of know what the thyroid is, um, what happens when your thyroid isn't working as well anymore? So when you have hypothyroidism, that means your thyroid is underactive, which it's just not working at the 
the rate that it used to be. So hormones are getting sent out slower and it's just kind of unregulated a bit. So, and I know that sounds super scary, but we'll kind of break it down. But essentially the effects of this is that your metabolism is going to slow down with hypothyroidism. Gotcha. Do you know if that means like, um, even when people are on medication that it slows down or is it just when it's underactive? It's fine if you don't, but I didn't know if you found anything about that. That's actually a good point. So it's not like you have hypothyroidism and then you're like doomed for the rest of your life. Um, so yes, like medication is what helps to kind of compensate hmm. for the slower release of those hormones. So yes, yeah, someone, it, when they're taking thyroid medication, that does help to kind of treat hypothyroidism and um, it can help to increase the rate of those thyroid hormone production. Gotcha. Okay. So it's fair to say that you really need to make sure like medically everything is straightened out and you're on the right dose of some medication to really correct that metabolism, right? Yes. Like how does it actually cause weight gain? Um, so unless we kind of like already address that just because um, with any disease, it's important to understand like why it actually happens so we can come up with accurate interventions. So like what actually is going on that causes the weight gain? So there's a couple things going on. Um, of course, the first is when someone's metabolism slows down, that essentially means that when they are at rest, like let's say they're just laying, they're just sleeping and they're like not talking, not thinking, like not doing anything, then they are burning less calories at rest than someone who would have like a higher metabolism. Mm -hmm. So when metabolism slows down, it really just means ultimately you're burning less calories throughout the day. And so that can lead to weight gain. But also one of the functions of the thyroid is the hormones help regulate fluid balance in the body, which is why one of the symptoms can be like puffiness in the face mm. or um, like just general puffiness in, in the body. And this means that if you have hypothyroidism, you may have moments where you're holding on to a lot of water and that water retention can cause it almost like mimics weight gain because like you're not actually gaining fat, but mm -hmm. you may go through a period where you're retaining a lot of fluid. And so you may gain like five pounds all of a sudden and not know where it's coming from, but um, that could be a possible cause. And then another thing is one of the symptoms of hypothyroidism is fatigue. And so when people are really like low energy, you're more inclined to like not have energy and maybe you like skip breakfast because you're not hungry, but then the body is still like, wait a minute, we don't have any energy. So it may start to crave more like simple carbohydrates to really just get that quick energy going. So that's another mechanism too, is that people may start craving more carby foods. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like, um, everything is like really feeding off of each other kind of, or like, it's all like with all related, like a domino effect. If like the metabolism's lower and you don't have enough energy, then your body's going to backfire and try to protect you by craving more foods. And then therefore, like you're already fighting the bad, the heart, the low metabolism, but now you're also like maybe gaining weight from actually eating more carby foods would put you in a calorie surplus. And then you also have the water retention going on. So then like all that together probably can make people feel defeated too. And just like even more frustrated and stressed out. 
Are there any other symptoms besides weight gain? Like if people think that they have this, like what, what, what other things go on besides just the weight gain? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of symptoms. I think it's really important to realize that like hypothyroidism is very serious. And, you know, I think a lot of people, if they're having trouble losing weight, they just blame it on something like hypothyroidism. But no, it's an actual serious condition. Um, it does affect a lot of people that I think it's like one in 20 people um, are affected by a thyroid issue. But anyway, so some symptoms that someone with hypothyroidism may have include constipation. Um, because again, if your digestive system is slowing down because of that slower metabolism, that can cause a lot of uncomfortable constipation or bloating. Um, having a lower heartbeat being really sensitive to cold because you're not really having that temperature regulation. Again, just being really fatigued and low energy, muscle weakness, unfortunately, and joint pain. And then of course the puffiness, um, which I talked about with the water retention. And I actually did find that people with hypothyroidism do struggle with increased anxiety. I don't know like the reason behind that, but but it's there. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so a lot of things to really watch out for if you think you may have this, but it goes so much deeper than just like the weight gain. But I think all these things also can contribute to even more weight gain. It sounds like outside of just the, um, the like low metabolism itself. Cause I know when we have clients like ask them about like constipation, which is not like the funnest thing to talk about, but you know, it's like, okay, well, if you're at a high weight, you know, like have you gone to the bathroom lately? Cause that's like a part of it. Or, um, you know, if you are really stressed out and it's causing like a flare or something and yeah, like you don't feel as strong then you're probably not likely to go to the gym and then you can't work out and like all these things. So I feel like all this is saying to me that like a lot of these other, just like more like fad diety approaches won't really help as much because there's like so many advanced things going on. Do you feel like that's fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's really just so complex. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's really important for someone to work with a dietitian who is like aware of these things. Yeah. And, and also too, I forgot to mention um, another symptom is lower minerals or like mineral deficiency or vitamin deficiency. And that's because the thyroid can help us absorb certain vitamins or help us um, convert it into usable forms. So for example, um, like vitamin A, the thyroid helps our body convert carotene into the vitamin A that we can use. So someone with hypothyroidism may have low vitamin A. And then B vitamins, I actually found that 40% of hypothyroid patients are deficient in B12. And B12 also affects your energy. So it's, again, kind of this cascade of events. And there's so many other nutrients but the thyroid just is super complex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always a big proponent of, um, yeah, like nutrition solving a lot of things, but again, and again, I'll keep saying, like, I feel like, especially with hypothyroidism, like this really needs to be medically managed because there's just so many of these things. Like, I don't think that we can really, uh, supplement to death, like something that's this severe with all of these different deficiencies. Um, and yeah, B12 is something I do look for in clients or asking them like how that is looking, but a normal doctor is typically going to like ask about that if they have, um, like any suspicion of hypothyroidism, but yeah, another thing that would be working against you if you have 
low B12 and um, again, can't have the, uh, the energy to like exercise or do the things that are going to increase this metabolism. Like, how do people get this? Is this just something you're born with? Is it like a consequence of a bad diet or a high calorie diet or anything like that? Or how do people get this? So there's many different things that can contribute to causing this. One is inflammation of the thyroid, which is a big word called thyroiditis. And interestingly, there's actually postpartum thyroiditis. So this is where it's like temporary inflammation of the thyroid after you have a baby. So that's just something to keep in mind. But I I don't know if there's really research out there yet to tell us if like eating a inflammatory diet contributes to developing something like this. Um, But maybe it plays a role. I know in general, just like our westernized diet is pretty inflammatory already. So maybe, maybe that's contributing. Also, if someone has really low iodine, that can cause thyroid issues. I do just want to put a disclaimer, though, that this is kind of hard to get because if you're eating salt, like table salt, that's um, iodized. So it's really hard to get low iodine unless you really just like never use salt. (laughs) And then also thyroid cancer or um, sometimes if people have thyroid um, nodules and then maybe it's suspected to be possible cancer, then some people may choose to have part of their thyroid removed um, just as like precaution or I'm not really sure why, but my mom actually had this happen to her where she had thyroid nodules and they told her it might be cancerous, even though um, thyroid cancer is super, super rare. Um, And she wasn't really told like the pros and cons completely. So she kind of was just like, oh yeah, like let's just remove half of my thyroid. And um, so they did. And now she's been struggling a, a really long time with all these issues. And turns out she had had Hashimoto's. So I don't know if that was why she had the thyroid nodules. But um, anyways, I digress. But Hashimoto's is the autoimmune hypothyroidism. So that essentially means that your immune cells like start to attack your thyroid. And it's mostly common in middle-aged women. Um, The etiology or the root cause is not super clear. Um, Some people say genetics can play a role, um, but also environmental triggers can play a role. So any kind of like trauma to the body, which could be sickness, developing like a a food allergy or a food sensitivity, being under a lot of stress, having like a major surgery, all of these things really affect the body and could cause something like this immune reaction which could lead to Hashimoto's. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it isn't, I think, important to really emphasize there is a difference between, well, there's kind of a difference between Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. It doesn't sound like you're saying there's a big difference in like how it like plays out. Right. It just sounds like a difference in like how it was maybe um, diagnosed. Is that right? Yeah. Basically just the root cause is different. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause sometimes with Hashimoto's because it is an autoimmune 
I know that there's some research out there to support doing like a gluten-free diet can be helpful since it isn't immune. So that's why it is sometimes important to know if there's a, um, if it's Hashimoto's or regular, but yeah, again, I think what I'm getting from this is it's not really a huge, um, a consequence of like how you've lived your life and more just either like a consequence of bad luck or genetics or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to know that if you do get diagnosed with Hashimoto's or really just any type of hypothyroidism, it's like, I think it's easy to just blame ourselves, but I would invite you not to do that because it's really just so complex. And, you know, we live in a stressful world and things happen that are outside of our control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these clients my heart goes out to them because I feel like we always hear the same story of like, all of a sudden they gain a lot of weight and they didn't really change anything in their diet. They didn't change anything in their, um, their activity level. And it like, all of a sudden their just metabolism goes lower and it's kind of stinks because there's nothing they can, you know, it's not like they did anything. Um, and now they've got to kind of live this different life to be more proactive about what's kind of happened, but interesting with kind of how all of this comes into play. Um, what should somebody do if they think they have it? So sometimes, I mean, even if I don't have, if I don't know why a client isn't losing weight, sometimes I'm like, you know, has there ever been a question of hypothyroidism because you're doing everything already and the basic recommendations aren't working? Um, what are um, ways that people can like figure out if they have it or not? So definitely talk to your doctor about getting your hormones tested. And I would advise that you ask for a full thyroid panel which means they're going to test like all the labs, the T3 and the T4. Some tests can test like the free T3 levels and then the bound T3 levels, which I would advise you try and get something like that because sometimes our T3 can be bound to like a protein in the blood. So you want to make sure you're getting a test that's looking at the total T3 that you have in your blood, whether it's bound to a protein or not. But so the basics, um, sometimes doctors will test the thyroid stimulating hormone first, and they will do that to determine or to just gain insight on whether someone has hypothyroidism or not. And this is actually a hormone that's produced in our brain. And again, it's called thyroid stimulating hormone. Sometimes it's called TSH. And this hormone is what tells our thyroid to produce T3 and T4. So some doctors will just kind of start by testing that. And then sometimes they'll test T4 and TSH, which that's a little bit better. But T3 is really important because it's the, it's like the active form so, and that's why our bodies actually convert T4 to T3 eventually, because our bodies need that active T3 form. So if you haven't gotten T3 tested, I would invite you to look into that. I don't really know why some tests are only like T4 and TSH. Like, I don't know the reasoning behind that. But anyways, a full thyroid panel is the way to go. And also, um, our thyroid hormones can fluctuate. So someone can have hypothyroidism, and then one month they go get their hormones tested, and um, it comes back normal. 
but then the next month, if they go and get it tested, it could come back low. So um, that's important to keep in mind because even if you have normal or like borderline low levels at one point in your life, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have hypothyroidism because the hormone levels are really like kind of intermittent. So definitely talk to your doctor and I would advise that you test your hormones more often than you think. (laughs) So try and, you know, get testing done frequently and that'll really help make sure that you're on the right medication. And a lot of people with hypothyroidism actually get diagnosed late. So um, I would say be really persistent and advocate for yourself so that you're getting properly diagnosed. Wow. Okay. So, um, with all the teas, um, they need, it's just like overall what they could ask for is, um, just like a full panel, right? Not just like the normal TSH that I think comes back on your like basal basic, like panel, um, looking at all of the levels. Um, and so if the levels can change so frequently, did you see anything about like how often people should get tested? Like, like if the level comes back normal once, was there any recommendation out there for like how much more they should get tested after that? Like, should they go like every single month or did you see anything like that? That's a really good question. I didn't see any like recommendations. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think our research on hypothyroidism is still really limited, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate. I would say um, it kind of depends on the individual. So if you are someone that you're really struggling and you're seeing all these symptoms of like fatigue, constipation, being cold all the time, and you just feel, you don't feel well. And then let's say you get tested. I mean, I guess the decision is really up to you whether you want to go like a month later or three months later, um, whatever. I think it really depends on how severe your symptoms are. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And I feel like a lot of it comes back to, to trying to find like just a really good doctor who specializes in this. Cause then they would know better than us to know like how, you know, if something looks a little off or you're describing a lot of symptoms, cause I've heard, um, all my clients, they go to different doctors. It does sound like some of them are more like, yeah, I know that these are coming, these labs are coming back normal, but it's not like quite the normal that we want it to be, or there's still something funky going on. And then sometimes other doctors don't, it seem like are as attentive. And I think a lot of it does come maybe finding like a thyroid specialist or going to a really good doctor, whether, you know, somebody else who has thyroid that's managed really well, um, because everybody's going to be a little different in what they specialize in and what they're good at figuring out. But interesting. Yeah. I think even people who do have hypothyroidism, like you said, because the levels are always changing, it is just important to maybe go more than like once a year, or, you know, if all of a sudden, like sometimes I get clients who their hypothyroidism has been managed for a very, very long time. And they don't think it's part of the issue, but all of a sudden they've gained weight or they have problems losing weight, doing the same exact thing as they used to. There could be a lot of different reasons, but one reason that's underlying, if you already have hypothyroidism is maybe checking those levels a little bit more regularly than just the once a year that's normally recommended for the medication. Do you know why it, the levels do change? Is it just because like how the body like responds to stress at different times? Or did you see anything about that? Cause it's interesting. Like it, it seems really hard to manage if it like changes so often. Yeah, it is definitely interesting. Um, and I think with Hashimoto's, the levels would probably change more so than like if someone just has like thyroid inflammation or something. Mm-hmm. It may have something to do with, you know, if there's a time where your immune system is really triggered by something. So if you're under like a lot of stress, 
um, then that may kind of like trigger a Hashimoto's flare, mm. kind of like other autoimmune diseases. You know, there's periods where you feel fine and then there's other periods where, you know, you really don't feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the similar thing there. Um, and I mean, our hormone levels are always changing, like no matter what, they always fluctuate to some degree. Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, the body's so dynamic and stress. I feel like a lot of people, when I mean, we've talked about before, just like one-on-one, like how much stress can like really like change the whole entire body's font, like make, um, makeup and things like that. And so it can come back to that as well. Um, but interesting. All right. So we've talked about all the problems and how difficult hypothyroidism can be. So what can people do if they like have a diagnosed with this? It's like medically managed, like where, where do they kind of go from here to see weight loss with hypothyroidism? Cause they're not completely hopeless. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's definitely still hope. Um, don't beat yourself up. Like don't, don't be hard on yourself. Don't blame yourself for anything. I would say just stick to the basics and really master those first. So if you're trying to lose weight and you have hypothyroidism, first of all, make sure you're on the right medication and, you know, the right dosage and all of that. That's super important. Second of all, focus on the really simple things that you can think about, like on a day-to-day basis. So making sure you're getting enough protein. I know that's something I've really learned from you, like working with you, that protein is really, really important in helping us balance our blood sugar levels. So it can really help with those cravings for carbohydrate foods. And it also helps support our metabolism because it's it's helping us build our lean body mass or our muscle mass. And that is going to help keep your metabolism regulated. So um, have protein at every meal. Um, that's a super important one and also have it at snacks too. Um, and then another one is prioritizing produce. So you want to have an overall nutrient dense diet, which means you're getting enough vitamins and minerals, especially if you have something like hypothyroidism, where maybe it's harder for your body to convert certain vitamins or use them. You really want to make sure you're at least helping support your body by getting enough fruits and vegetables. And then strength training is something that you can incorporate, again, to help support that muscle mass, which helps raise our metabolism. So strength training is different than cardio in that um, sometimes cardio can um, release cortisol. And so um, strength training can be a good idea if you're dealing with stress and you're also trying to increase your metabolism and that I would also say the basics is prioritize sleep I know that's not nutrition related but sleep can affect our hunger hormones and our ability our ability to make wise decisions and, and actually listen to our body so if you're not getting enough sleep really you should probably start there yeah yeah um I always ask clients in the beginning like what their sleep is like I would say I'm not like a sleep doctor or anything, but I mean, it has so much, it's basically saying like, well, if you're hungry all the time, like we'll just ignore that and treat everything else. But no, you have to like kind of treat what's going on. And so like managing um, sleep helps manage your stress, therefore helps manage like how much you eat and like how your body's responding and all of those things. And it's a really simple free thing you can kind of do to manage all these other things um, besides getting into the fancy stuff. And yeah, I think I hear you saying just like getting back to the basics 
which when I was like kind of make, starting this private practice, I was trying to figure out too, oh my gosh, like, how do I help these clients? How do I help these clients have PCOS? How do I help these clients to have all these other things that's wrong with them? And all of it like just comes back to basics, the basics, I guess, that are the right things. And so finding a program that really focuses on building metabolism um, through uh, fo- uh, eating like more protein, looking at your fruit and vegetable intake, making sure you're not in a severe calorie deficit to stress out you and your body even more. Um, and yeah, looking at strength training to increase um, muscle mass for the long term. We just really need to make sure it sounds like that people are doing this for hypothyroidism. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. What about if people are doing all these things and then um, it's still not really working just because hypothyroidism is so varied and like there's a lot we can't really always test for metabolism. So we don't know what's really going on if if they're already doing these things and it's not working. Are there any like any other recommendations that um, may be worth looking into if those if people are already doing those basic things? Yes, um, there are. Unfortunately, again, research is kind of limited in this population, but we do have some research um, and that's really hopeful. First of all, I'll just talk about the AIP diet, which could be helpful for someone with Hashimoto's because it is a autoimmune condition. So this diet is called the autoimmune protocol diet. It is very restrictive. So please, if you haven't mastered the basics, then, you know, work on that first. And I do also want to say this diet is a short-term diet. So again, it's it's restrictive. You're not meant to follow this for longer than like a couple months. So that's really important to know. But so this diet, it cuts out like gluten, dairy, sugary foods, pretty much anything that could possibly be causing inflammation or a immune response in your body. And the idea is that um, when people cut these foods out and then they can slowly reintroduce one fruit at a time, it can help them kind of see if there are any foods that contribute to worsening of their symptoms. So it can really just help provide insight and see if, if someone has better quality of life and improved symptoms with the help of diet. And then, yes, so the whole idea behind gluten is sometimes people with Hashimoto's, research has associated it with having undiagnosed celiacs or um, a potential wheat sensitivity. So that's just a correlation that's out there. So if someone has the capacity to try and go gluten-free, just if it actually helps them, then that's something they can do. But definitely if starting a diet like this is stressful at this time in your life, then it's probably not worth it if it's going to cause more stress on you. And again, working with a dietitian can really help because they can really kind of help walk you through this and encourage you along the way and make sure that it's safe because, you know, you want to make sure you're eating enough while you're on something like this as well. Yeah, no, um, I think it's really important that last bit that you're saying, because I have had some clients, poor things, like I can only imagine how frustrating it is with PCOS. Uh, I mean, I mean, with hypothyroidism, because you think you might have to like constantly undercut what you're eating, undercut what you're eating, undercut what you're eating. And sometimes I get these clients that I've only been eating like a thousand calories because I mean, if metabolism is lower, like it seems probably to somebody who doesn't know a lot about nutrition, that just means they need to eat less. 
but that's really um, not going to work for hypothyroidism because you need so many of these vitamins and minerals that you talked about earlier um, to optimize the health. So the answer really shouldn't be to continue to undercut calories and undercut calories because it's going to slow down possibly the, the metabolism even more because you have this thing going on with your, your thyroid, but these other diets can be implemented. It sounds like, but should just be thought of as, um, additions to like, if you're not already seeing results from like being super consistent with like the basics, is that right? Yeah. Um, see this as like a a small step at a time type of journey. Yeah. And I've heard a lot, um, because clients who have PC, I mean, why do I keep saying that clients who have hypothyroidism, they do, um, have gone through the ringer with it. And a lot of them, it's always interesting to see that some of them have seen results with whole 30, which I'm not like a huge proponent of whole 30, but it does help me to get some insight into, okay, maybe because whole 30 does cut out a lot of these same foods from like AIP, um, especially like gluten and sugar and stuff like that. And so seeing that they do have results with that may mean that like your body just, um, it, it becomes more inflamed if you eat some of these foods, but, um, the thing is we got to figure out if that was the case, or was it just that you were in a severe calorie deficit during the, you know, whole 30 diet. Um, but it's interesting. And so whenever I hear that from a client who says, well, I lost like five pounds, like a month when I was on whole 30, my interest kind of peaks up. And I think, oh, well, maybe we need to work on like looking at some of these like inflammatory foods that may be causing some problems, um, for this type of population, but interesting. Um, lastly, can we kind of end on some actionable steps? So we've given a lot of really meaty information. Um, what should somebody do? Like what, what are some like three key takeaways that somebody should do with this information? I guess, especially if they know that they have hypothyroidism. Yes. So, um, something nutrition related that you can start out with, which is really basic is ask yourself, At every meal, do you have a protein and a produce source? This is just really important, again, for balancing blood sugar levels, making sure you're getting your vitamins and minerals, and um, just overall supporting that metabolism. And then also, um, you can start strength training at least once a week if you are not doing so already. I know as women, sometimes we're like afraid to strength train, but our muscles don't like bulk up the same way that men's do. So just remember like strength training is actually really healthy for women and it's a really good thing for us to do just in general. So definitely prioritize that. And then finally talk to your doctor about if you think you need to switch your thyroid medications or be on a thyroid medication or if you got tested and it's been a while, like let's say it's been a year or more, or your symptoms are just not improving and you want to get tested again. If you have any, any doubt at all that like your test last time just didn't, didn't feel accurate to you based on the symptoms you have, then go ahead and just get tested and get the full thyroid panel, um, including all the teeth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's great. I think it's a great wrap up. It's exactly what I would recommend as well focusing on the basics first with the produce and the protein. So we can increase metabolism in the like most science proven way that we possibly can until we get, and then get into like maybe fringe recommendations. And then also, yeah, like, especially like if anything, I want people to take away that this disease have got to be medically managed first 
Um, don't try to come to me if um, it's not because it won't have as big an effect um, on the nutrition side of things if you're not on the correct doses of medication and have a great doctor to help you with it. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure that was a super helpful episode for people. And it really gave me the courage to talk about this topic because I'm always super nervous to talk about it and all, don't always have the time to research the intricacies of it. Um, even though I have a lot of clients, I kind of just look at what we need to do to get through. So this was really helpful even to me. Where can people find you if they want to follow you? Because I feel like you're a great educator and would be a great resource for people to follow. So do you have any like social media things or anything that people should look out for you at? Yes, I actually do love educating. Um, like that's a huge passion of mine. So yes, you can follow me on Instagram at um, Katie Barker Nutrition. And it's not, it's not Baker, it's Barker. So B-A-R-K-E-R. Again, that's Katie Barker Nutrition. And there I do a lot of like educational videos. I'm definitely a nutrition nerd. So um, hopefully you can learn something new there. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. And I hope you have continued success. This is Katie's actually last day of being an intern with the Millennial Nutritionist. Super exciting. Um, and this was actually like one of her modules to complete an education. So we kind of used her to fulfill that for us. But you've been a great intern and I hope you have success on your journey. Take care, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.